What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham and Justin Trees of Talking Football coming to you about a week later now. We took off the week for Thanksgiving, wanted to enjoy time with friends and family, and boy, did I make sure to do that. Caught up, told a lot of stories, enjoyed some great food, had some fantastic pumpkin pie. And Trees, I'm going to assume it was the same situation for you? Yeah, basically. Uh, there was a lot of alcohol this weekend for me. I don't know about you, but... It got out of control for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanksgiving Day, not as much with the family. Friday night, definitely did. And then Saturday, celebrated my birthday. Turned 24 years old. Went to a PBR bar. Tried to do a mechanical bull. Uh, did not work out as well as I thought it would. Got my ass thrown off twice. And then Sunday was a Chiefs game. And you know how that tailgate goes. You get a couple beers in you. It's kind of cold. Make up for it. You get a warm drink that's, you know, spiked a little bit. About midway through the the tailgate, you go, I'm feeling pretty good. It doesn't seem as cold. And you lose some clothes. About 30 minutes later, you're like, holy shit, it's pretty fucking cold. And that was about how my weekend went. So lots of drinking and enjoyed a good time with friends and family for sure. Nice. Uh, I mean, again, mine was basically the same. I just got... Super drunk on Thanksgiving. It was fantastic. Watched a lot of football. Relaxed. Uh, got a little bit of golf in. And watched the, let's see, watched the Utes win the South on Saturday night against Colorado. They're going to the Pac-12 championship game on Friday, which still deciding on if I want to make that road trip or not. Uh, we did it last year and ended up getting sideline tickets. So that was awesome. We'll see if we do that again. And then... I mean, then the Jags game on Sunday, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, speaking of the Utes, let's get into that. They beat Colorado, like you said, going to the Pac-12 championship, and they have a realistic shot of making it into the college football playoff right now with Alabama losing to Auburn. We have started incorporating college football into this podcast, talking football, not talking NFL. So, college football, here we are. Your thoughts and opinions on the Utes potentially making – that college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, basically, when I wrote that article a couple weeks ago, I said exactly what needed to happen, and everything has happened up to this point. And then the one other thing that needed to happen was obviously two things. I just assumed LSU was winning out. So, obviously, Georgia needs to lose. And then Baylor needs to beat Oklahoma. I really, truly believe Oklahoma will jump Utah if they both win especially if Utah has any sort of a close game. But they haven't had a close game basically all year. I mean, even their loss was not close. They they got they kind of got handed to them. So, uh, yeah, I think that they have a great chance. I think they deserve it. I mean, they're averaging winning Pac-12 games by 29.5 points. Pac-12 games, not their non-conference. They've owned the Pac-12. So they for sure deserve it. Oregon... Obviously, with that loss to Arizona State a couple weeks ago, like they're just not as highly ranked. They're going to be, I think, probably around 13 when it's all said and done uh, this week. But, <clears throat> I mean, this team just looks great. They look awesome. They really do. Now, the question is, who do they replace within the top four? Like, like if Georgia loses the SEC championship game or Georgia beats LSU – I mean, it's kind of locked in because I don't think LSU is going to be removed after one loss. No. But if LSU beats Georgia, that opens the door for Utah, correct? 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what would happen. They would jump up into four, but if Georgia does beat LSU, the top four stays the same. The seedings just change. Yeah. Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy weekend because if Utah makes it, I can't wait to see your expression. I can't wait to watch the SEC championship game between LSU and Georgia and then how everything unfolds the following week because it's the following week that everything then becomes announced, right? Like the Heisman Trophy is announced. Second week of December is when all that gets announced, correct? No, the following day on Sunday it gets announced. The the college football playoffs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sunday does. So like the one in like five days from now, six days from now. Holy crap. So the day after all the bowl games are, or, uh, sorry, all the conference championship games are over. So speaking of that, though, because obviously, and you've already said this here, like you're going to the SEC championship game, which is awesome. Yep. Are you guys doing kind of what you guys have done where you just tailgate outside and then you hang out out there? Or you guys actually have tickets to go into the stadium and watch it? Um. So from my understanding, the tickets inside the stadium are TBD right now, but very promptly promised. It's just kind of making sure everything lines itself out. But this weekend's more of a uh, like hosting a tailgate for Johnsonville. Yeah. And if you don't know who they are, I mean, I'm sure you do, and you probably don't realize who they are. Check them out. Great fucking brats. But we're pretty much hosting the tailgate for them. They're judging the BR guys. Matt, Mel, and Connor will be judging um, a chili cook-off, which is like a pretty huge like competition. They'll be judging it. And then there's going to be a cornhole tournament as well. Nice. So it's going to be a pretty good tailgate-type atmosphere. And then hopefully it gets finished off with getting to go into the game. Nice. Very nice. Cool. Uh, what are you most excited about about th- going to that? Um, getting to be in Atlanta. I've never been to Atlanta before, honestly. And then at least getting to see the new stadium, be on the outside. I'm more of like a, a sightseer when I go to these things. Like I like to go see things. And then incorporate the mindset, if I lived here, how casual it is for other people that are there every day. And then how I'm not the only person that's seeing this for the first time. So I try and just soak everything in and enjoy as much of it and remember as much of it. Because, I mean, I do appreciate these opportunities. I don't take none of it for granted, even when I get to go do things with my girl. Like, when we go do stuff, like, I am trying to remember and enjoy every moment, feeling, frustration, moments of joy. Like, I'm trying to incorporate all that because that plays a key part in memories down the road. And that's what means a lot to me. So, kind of a cheesy answer, but that's what I'm looking forward to, is getting to be in Atlanta, you know, live that, be in the experience, and just enjoying the overall moment of the SEC Championship. Yeah, that's super, super cheesy, but that, that's fine. <laughs> no, it's, I, I, I really do agree, actually, to an extent there, so that's awesome. Um, we were actually talking about this when we were watching the game on uh, Saturday night, the Utes game. Did you watch that? The Utes game? Yeah. Because it was on Um, ABC. No, I did not get to watch the Utes game. Okay. Because we knew that, like, you don't watch the Utes very much. And so we're like, oh, well, it's actually on national television. Like, I wonder if you watched it. And I was like, I doubt it. And Sorry. No. I watched the the Ohio State-Michigan game. And then that night, I watched the... uh, Alabama Auburn game. I watched the end of it in the restaurant. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Well, you'll have to watch on Friday night because it is Friday, not Saturday night, the Pac 12 championship. Watch the Utes destroy Justin Herbert and watch. And I've been tweeting about him a lot lately, so I got to just bring him up. Brent Keithy, the tight end, sophomore, 
for the yes. Eagles. I'm telling you, he's my guy for the next year because he's obviously not draft eligible. He is going to become a huge thing. I can't wait. Just jump on that train early. Start it in Mobile yeah. and just roll it from there. Yeah. Like when you're in sure. front of the guys, just be like, hey, I know you've probably seen him, but you're hearing it here first. Yeah. He He's going to be a stud, dude. He had three touchdowns last week. And, dude, they're just using him, jet, him on jet sweeps now. And he's a big dude. Wow. And they're just using him on jet sweeps. And he uh, he's fast. He can block. Dude, he catches everything. Like, seriously, man. He is... So Travis He's Kelsey cool. type? Yeah, very much Travis Kelsey type. I, I, I'll i never put him in that category just because Travis Kelsey is special. But, like, yes, he's that type of athlete. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's freaking awesome. Um, Anything else you want to talk about college football-wise? Uh, did – I mean, with Justin Fields, I mean, he only left for, like, five plays, which that was a scary injury. I thought it was going to be more serious. Yeah. Um. Joe Burrow lock up the Heisman with another outstanding weekend. I was kind of thinking that, like nothing against Fields, but there were a couple moments. I mean, he had an interception, correct? Who? Fields. I believe he had one. Fields did not throw an interception last week. I feel like did I he? saw that. Maybe he came back yeah. on a penalty. Now you got but me. I definitely. So I just remember watching and going, I don't know. I mean, the same thing you just asked me. Like I just. I don't know if he sealed it on that game. No, he didn't throw an interception. Sorry for cutting you off. No, you're good. But I agree. I think I think it's Burrow just kind of running away with it from here. Yeah, I think actually what's causing this to be such a bigger gap now is actually because J.K. Dobbins has been playing so lights out. Where now there's a discussion of, does J.K. Dobbins make it to New York rather than Justin Fields? Like, well, I mean, can you have all three guys from Ohio State go? Yeah, I seriously, right? Like all three of them deserve that. So um, I think I'm with you. I think Joe Burrow won the Heisman, and but I still think Ohio State's the best team in the nation, and I'll stick to that. I, I really like LSU. I think LSU is a very, very good team. I don't think the margin's huge. I think that they're it's like a one A or one B. But I think if they played each other, uh, Ohio State would win. It would be a very interesting national championship game for sure. For sure. All right, cool. I think that does it for me. Same here. So let's get into our specialty, our bread and butter, the NFL. Here we go. Thursday night, we had three games. Treese and his family are having cheese and crackers at this point as the Bear and Lions play. And Treese, I'm not going to lie to you. Just go ahead and go with the rundown on this game because I didn't get to see much of it. It looks like Mitchell Trubisky had a good game. The Bears' defense was alive. And then the Lions just didn't have anything to show for themselves. Yeah, I mean, actually, the Bears' defense kind of struggled a little bit. The um, Dave, what's his name, David Blow or something like that, like whoever their third string quarterback was for the Lions. He actually had a good game. Started off with a seventy-five yard bomb to Galladay, just a total breakdown on defense for the Bears. And you keep, I, I watch the Bears every week and every single time. I'm just yelling at the screen. Why is David Montgomery not getting more carries? He ended up with 16 carries, but three of them were at the end of the game just trying to like chew that clock. I mean, he was at like 10 carries most of this game. And you're just wondering, how is that possible? It doesn't make any sense. He was averaging near, I think it was nearly five yards per carry. I, I don't have the stat on front in front of me. And yes, Trubisky played 
fine. He played fine. But the weird thing with him is he's not even looking to, like, do the scramble plays that made him so successful last year. Like, he, like, rolls out, and then he, like, continues to, like, look down the pocket, but it's, like, or look down the field, I mean. But he can't, like, do both at the same time. Like, he has to do one or the other. So, like, when he rolls out of the pocket, he's just going horizontally down the line. And if he runs out of space, then he, like, steps up and gets a one- or two-yard gain, and that's it. And last year, at least, like, when he got out of the pocket, he stopped, couldn't see anything, and then he took off running. That's why he was getting so many of those 10- to 20-yard carries last year. So it's almost like he's taking away his most important asset because he wants to prove to people that he can throw. But I'm like, dude, you're out of the pocket at this point. Just fucking make a play. Like, mm. people will stop criticizing you if you guys just win ball games. You actually put up points and yards. Um, overall, he did have... 340 passing yards, so it was fine. Uh, A-Rob looked amazing. Anthony Miller finally is starting to look good again uh, after them trading up for him in two years ago draft now. So, like, he needs to really step it up. Uh, But overall, I mean, dude, this Bears defense is not good. Like, watching them play, they can't get pressure anywhere. Where the fuck is Khalil Mack? Like, it's weird. Uh, ever since Hicks went out with their injury, their defensive tackle, this team is just, this defense has not gotten pressure anywhere. Wow. Do you, I mean, do you think it's at the point that I kind of touched up on a couple weeks ago was just this defense is tired? Or is it just the defensive coordinator? Because it's Chuck Pagano now. Yeah. Do you think Chuck it's just Pagano. him not being a good defensive coordinator? Like, I don't, just I don't not think being it? I don't think he's a good defensive coordinator. So. Uh, I'm, I don't think it has anything to do with being tired. I really don't. I think it just has to do with them just not being able to create pressure. They're trying to do it with four men fronts, and they can't do it. So then they have to blitz Roquan Smith, who had a very, very good game. He had a couple mistakes at the end, but then he ended up sealing the deal the last two plays with a great defensive uh, deflection and then a sack. So... Um, they have to just blitz too much, I think, to get pl- pressure. And when you pay Khalil Mack all of that, like you're hoping that you don't have to do that. Yeah. So um, overall, though, Detroit's cleaning house. I know we've talked about it a hundred times, but that shit's that shit's coming. Winter's coming in Detroit, and it's not going to be pretty. I don't agree that that's what they should do, but I don't think you're wrong. Just get rid of Quinn, keep your head coach, go from there. But next game, where Teresa's family is starting to eat now because the Cowboys are on playing the Bills. And let me tell you what with this game. The Buffalo Bills wanted this game. It felt like they wanted it more than the Dallas Cowboys. Josh Allen had a good game. Cole Beasley got his comeback game to go, hey, you let me go, look at me now. I think he had a couple touchdowns. Dak, Zeke, and Cooper, that trio, it just didn't feel like it was clicking really much at all. Zeke was not given the ball later in the game, which doesn't make any sense to me because early on, it just felt like they were just chart, like just Zeke, 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 and it was good, and then they stopped. Dak throws third down to go for a field goal, and after that, I just didn't see much of Zeke, which was very frustrating. But good win by the Bills on Thanksgiving. You go into Dallas, you get the win, and then Josh Allen at the end going, I had the dream that I got to do this, and now I'm here. And he takes that big bite of the old leg, out of the leg. And I was like, go Josh Allen, dude. Best start. You won money off the game, right? Or was it last week that you got it, all the money? Was it, this it was game? last week. Yeah, it was last week. 
just keep pouring it on, baby. Yep. Buffalo, dude, Buffalo Bills have a realistic opportunity of winning that division. I'm I'm glad you just said that because I was just about to say, just book it. They're winning that fucking division. They're going to. We let's get that. I mean, if They're you're going. listening to this, just blow, just keep blowing that out there. The Bills have an opportunity to win the AFC East. The Bills have a realistic opportunity of winning the AFC East. Yeah, Bills are going to win this weekend. Uh, they have a tough game, though. I can't remember. who is. Oh, it's the Ravens. Okay, maybe not. Um, I was just about to say, they're going to win. Maybe not. Actually, they're not going to win this week. Um, but here's the thing, though. The Patriots are going to lose next weekend against the Chiefs. So, I mean, they're they're both going to lose. That, that means the Bills are still only one game behind, and they still have a head-to-head matchup. That Say they win that, now it's tied. I don't know what the tiebreaker is, but, I mean, just like that, dude. I, I don't know. I, I think they have a great shot. Um, this is the funny thing, is a lot of people were talking about, like, oh my gosh, the Bills won. Why are people shocked? The Bills were the better team all along. Really? They They're, really are. Yeah, in every asset. And to go back to Zeke, great point. He had 75 yards in the first quarter, 75 yards. And I think it was like five or six touches. And he ends up with like 15 touches altogether. It it doesn't make sense. Like Jason Garrett's fired. I hated that Jerry Jones comes out and goes, we're keeping him till the end of the season before the game. Like that report comes out because my cousin is a huge Cowboys fan. So I'm talking to her about this. And she's like, oh, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. And then I say, hey, this just came out. And you see her just kind of roll her eyes like, gosh, dang it. Like <laughs> We're here with Jason Garrett again. But Jerry Jones, you lose on Thanksgiving Day at home in Dallas in the stadium that you built. And you got Jason Garrett just doing what he does. Call Lincoln Riley and offer the freaking bank. Like You, you have to right, at this point. You have to call Lincoln Riley and say, what's it going to take? Done. Like, let him sell himself. Like, that, be that, to, like, what's your price? And as soon as he says the price, okay, when can you be here? I'm sending my jet right now. No big deal. Yeah, I, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> it makes no sense to leave. Like, you're literally, like, the man in college football right now. You're the hottest name in college football. Yeah, but I mean, you're. I guess that is a good point because you got Spencer Rattler coming in next year. I don't know if you watch QB one on yeah, that. Yeah, he's awesome. But he's a yeah. douchebag, but he's awesome. Definitely cocky little son of a bitch. Yeah. But he's going to be a hell of a quarterback in college, yes. especially for OU with Lincoln Riley, the kid that's not transferring, the kid that comes in and is playing and is being patient. He's going to earn his due. Um, enough of this game. No, let's go to the Saints and Falcons. And this was the Taysom Hill game. A blocked punt, a what was it? A receiving touchdown and a throwing touchdown. Have yourself a day, man. Have yourself a day, Taysom Hill. Falcons offensive line freaking sucks. Calvin Ridley had a decently big game. Matt Ryan, we literally watched him die. And then the Saints defensive line is nasty. They are a nasty group, and they just owned Matt Ryan. And when Matt Ryan throws an interception or fumble, whatever it was, and then you get stiff-armed into oblivion. Man, I don't know how you go back out on the field because my pride would be gone. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But overall, man, this game... Yeah, I did. This game was boring. I I did not enjoy watching this game very much. Um, the obviously the funnest part was at the end when they successfully got multiple onside kicks, which was pretty cool, which you don't see very often. But I mean, it would have been way cooler and more exciting if the Falcons actually did something with it once they did get those onside kicks, rather than getting one first down combined. Really, and speaking of onside kicks, there was a like quite a bit recovered this weekend. Yeah. It's as if they've almost kind of figured out, like if you can put the ball in this gap and get it to bounce just in time, you have a free man with a clear shot to that ball. Yep. Hopefully we see it more later in the season here. Um, anything else you want to add to that boring game? Uh, no, except for the Saints are probably going to wrap up that one seed soon. Ooh. Yeah, I was I was about to say something, but I don't know the score of the game right now. So, Seahawks and Vikings are playing right now. Do you got a score update? Twenty-seven seventeen for the Seahawks. The Seahawks are winning. Yeah. Oh shoot! Wow, awesome, perfect, love it. Next game, Jets and the Bengals. Andy Dalton gets the start again, comes in and just is slinging the ball in tight windows like windows that you don't that you don't usually see him put balls in he did several times this game and then their defensive line for the Bengals had themselves another game i remember talking about them a couple weeks going hey this defensive line isn't bad it's just their secondary and their linebacking core there's just not much there and then the jets trees a question to you where are their issues because they are so inconsistent on good or bad, good or bad, Sam Darnold doesn't look as bad. But is it the offensive line? Is it the defense? Like, where are the issues at for that Jets deep for that Jets team? Yeah, I mean, the offensive line is not good at all. Le'Veon Bell, I think his longest rush this season is like 15 yards. He has not had a 20 yard carry all season. It's crazy. Um, they. I mean, the defense is playing fine. I mean, it's not playing bad. I mean, even here, like 21 points total, like it's it's all right. But Darnold just, he can't like consistently get drives rolling. He just can't do it. And they can't, they, they seem to struggle in the red zone quite a bit this season. So I think that's more of what it is, is just consistency on the offensive side is probably their biggest need. But specifically, the offensive line, I think, is a huge, huge need for this team. And it's crazy because I felt like they went out and got the pieces for it this offseason, and it's just not translated at all for them. Um, our next matchup, the Bucks versus the Jaguars. And let me just kind of get this out here quickly uh, before Therese, because I, I expect you to have a lot to say. And if you don't, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. But 25-0 to zero at one point. The Buccaneers just was running the not. I wouldn't say necessarily running the ball, but they had a couple rushing touchdowns, and the Jaguars just practically handed the game away with turnovers. And how do you get rid of Foles and is Minshew the future? Take All it right. away. Take it away. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I was literally laughing my ass off every time that Nick Foles was turning the ball over. I I was like, yep, that's. $17 million worth. Yep, that's $6 million worth. Yep, good job, Nick Foles. You're so good. Uh, 
so yeah, he was fucking sucking it up, obviously. Uh, that's why he got benched at halftime. Three turnovers for him, two fumbles that were like, how are, how are you fumbling it? And then just a god-awful interception. He did get hit as he threw it, but that shit was getting picked off anyways. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, Nick Foles, how do you get rid of him, right? Like, how do you get rid of this contract? This is how you get rid of him. Remember Brock Osweiler, Osweiler and that trade that the Texans had to make with the Browns where they literally had to give them a draft pick to take on a contract? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they have to do. <laughs> they literally are going to have to tell somebody, I'll give you mid-round draft picks to take this off of our hands. So basically this is how it goes. So if they just straight up cut him like before like free agency, say – it's going to cost them something like $22.5 million, something in that area. Um, if they wait until after June 1st, then it's only going to cost them like $18 million. So it saves them like $4 million or something like that. Um, or they can try to trade him like that, but then they'll still have to pay the, the uh, guaranteed money, which is about $8 million. So even if they trade him, they, they're paying him $8 million this year, give or take. Might be seven. Um, and I really think that's what's going to have to happen. They're going to—I ha- mean, you're not keeping him on this roster. Y- you made this decision today because they announced today that Minshew was the starter. You, yeah. can't, you can't keep $22 million on your bench at quarterback. Just NFL teams don't do that. You're not going to. Um, the best-case scenario, Nick Foles— realizes that he doesn't love football like how he did a few years ago when he was about to retire, and he retires. That's best case. I was going to ask you that. Does he do that? That's best case scenario. But if I was him, I wouldn't because I'd be like, I'll stick it out one more year and get $22 million. If I don't like it or if I do or don't, $22 million. So I'm getting that basically no matter what. Um, So don't retire even if you're like, hey, I hate it. I don't want to play anymore. You stick it out for one year to get one big last payday like anybody can stick out a job for one year even if you hate it for that type of money <laughs> really at least you better yeah Man, if you don't sign me up i am mr nick Foles for a year yeah um but let me tell you i was i'd actually just gotten home i'd just driven home and i was about to fall asleep at halftime being like, ah, i'll watch the second half when i wake up i'll just i mean i got game pass right i'll just watch it then uh-huh. Right before I fall asleep, my eyes are closed and I hear Gardner Minshew warming up. I fucking sat up immediately and was like, all right, let's fucking go. Let's do this. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> Quick stop. And he drives him down. I mean, actually, the first drive, they had a penalty, so he didn't score. But then next drive drives him down and scores. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Another defensive stop. Defense is just fired up. They go down again, get into the red zone. Um, not the best pass in the world from Minshew on the fourth down, but it still hit D.D. Westbrook in the hands. It should have been a touchdown. Yeah. Again, it was a little behind him, right? A little bit, like back shoulder, but still should have been caught. So I was like, ah, that sucks, but like it happens. And then like he's still like getting yards and making plays. Um, you could tell he was a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket, and I think that has to do with not playing for a month. I mean— it's going to happen with a rookie. You don't just like magically get to where you were again before he left. Yeah. Uh, so like even with him struggling, I didn't care. I mean, I was just like that interception. 
It bothered me on D.D. Westbrook's part, not Minshew's part. I was like, good. You got us at least in the fucking red zone. You got us having having some hope. The defense just looked alive, man. Like, it looked solid in that second half. Mm-hmm. And um, Fournette is better when Minshew's playing. Like, teams don't load the box when Minshew's playing because they, they know he's going to beat—he can beat you one-on-one, and he can beat you by scrambling. And— now all of a sudden Fournette's getting open in like in the flats on pass routes and being able to run the ball. And I don't know, dude, I'm excited for it. Um, so overall, there's no way you can go back to Nick Foles. It's impossible. Like you can't, um, Marone little too late for you. Like you lost your job already three weeks ago when you made this decision, like you lost your job, like you're not coming back. There's no way that these guys can come back. Um, but I hope this team rolls with them. I hope he rolls with Minshew, and I hope he rolls with this offense and just goes. Uh, <clears throat> need some serious help at offensive line, uh, middle of the defensive line. Actually, Taven Bryan's been playing pretty well lately. I'm, I'm happy with his improvement. Um, and then linebacker help, and then they need another corner still. Um, obviously, uh, you could tell that the this was the first game that I was like, ah, missing Ramsey. Like, yeah. you're really missing him here. Um, just they got him to third down multiple times, and then they just were picking on Herndon just all day. Um, so, uh, overall, I'm super excited about Minshew coming back. It's going to be an awesome last month of the season just to watch, even though you know the season's over. Like, it's fun. It's just fun to watch. It's a fun offense. When Minshew was playing, Fournette led the AFC in rushing, and mm-hmm. DJ Chark led the AFC in receiving, and I fully expect that to kind of pick up again. Absolutely. Staying within the AFC South, the Titans went to Indianapolis and beat the Colts. And Mr. Tree Trunks, Derrick Henry, is turning into Mr. Power Logs for legs. Because this dude, I just another good, strong performance on the ground. He fumbled early, got the Colts on the board, but he comes back and just is running the ball hard. Tannehill has earned this job. I think he's earned it for another year. The way this team rallies around him is good. Receivers are fighting for the ball down the field. Do you like to see that? The Colts' defense, they got plenty of pressure throughout this game, which was kind of crazy. The Titans, clearly a third-quarter team. They come out after half in the third quarter and just all of a sudden are different. Like, They just go in and shower and come back out to start a game again. It's pretty much how they start the third quarter. But it's like, okay, hey, we know what they're going to do now. It almost looks like the Titans might win the AFC South aside from the Houston Texans. Like, if they can find a way for the Texans to fall off this last month, there's a possibility the Titans are sitting there just kind of like, hey, (laughs) don't forget about us because we're looking strong right now. Jacoby Brissett, kind of a weak performance by him. And then the Titans field goal team, their field goal unit. I don't understand how the hell they're doing it. Two blocks. They had two blocks this game. They had a game-winning block against Kansas City Chiefs a couple weeks ago, and they come in this week with two against Adam Vinatieri, the greatest kicker of all time. What the hell are they doing? Because whatever it is, they're doing it right, and keep it going for them. Just don't yeah. do it against the Chiefs again. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you on Tannehill there. Uh, the reason why I don't have them winning the AFC South is because the last month of the schedule is very difficult. Uh, going to Oakland to play the Raiders, who are kind of falling apart at this point. So it is what it is. But then they play Texans, Saints, Texans. 
That's their last three games. So they control their own destiny because they play the Texans twice. But I think the Texans are just on a roll, and then you're not going to beat the Saints. So um, I could easily see them losing all three of those or even two of them. So one and two, and that's just not going to win you the division. But at least they control their own destiny, and they got to like that. Uh, I mean, this defense is just playing great, really, is what it is. They're they're such a bend-but-don't-break defense. You, you feel like you're like teams are driving on them and then they get stalled out on like the 40 yard line, like right out of field goal range, or they barely get in field goal range and have to kick a field goal. So um, overall, yeah, I really like what I'm seeing from the Texans Colts. I know a lot of Colts fans are like looking for a quarterback this in already for round one. And I just, I just don't know, man, like you're going to be too good to pick like one of the top guys. So like, who are you? Who are you wanting? We and we should we have a lot of friends that are te- Titans fans or I mean Colts fans at this point. So we really should ask them like who they're wanting. I know I've seen Jordan Love a few times, um, seen Jake Jake Fromm a few times, Justin Herbert, um, but they're going to be too good for Herbert. So it's going to be one of those two. And I mean like Jordan Love's not going to be ready like right off the bat. I mean I yeah. live literally forty minutes from him. I I get to watch him often. So um, I don't know. It's gonna, that's going to be an interesting thing. I the way I see it is, I mean, they're not going to move on from Brissett. They, they're just yeah. not. I think he's their guy for next year for sure. The team, the team rallies around Brissett too much for them to move on after this year. Love makes sense because if Brissett's having a bad year, you at least have Love there developing. And then, really, the end of the the way the season ends is going to determine whether Jake Fromm comes out this year or not. Because, I mean, there's still a slight possibility he goes back to college for another year. If they lose a national championship game or they don't make it out of that first round of the playoff or they don't make it in the playoff at all, there's a possibility he's going back to school because I can guarantee you there's a part of him that feels like he owes the university a championship because he comes in against Alabama, leads them there, and then they lose to Alabama the way that they did with two on a walk-off touchdown along the left side. So Jake Fromm has the mindset of wanting to wish a national championship there. And if he doesn't happen, make it happen this year, I do see him going back to school. Let's go ahead and head to our next, our next matchup here, which is the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Miami Dolphins. You've heard that right. The Eagles lost to the Dolphins. And Devontae Parker, as I was watching this game back, I was like, hey, he had two big catches. Wait, he had three big catches. And in the game... Four. This. When did he decide to start catching the fucking ball? About five weeks ago. He's been unreal the last like month and a half. This game, I was just sitting here watching, like, oh my god, there's his size. There's that big frame that I've like just not been seeing or been aware of. And he made up for it this week. He looked great against this Eagles secondary, which Treese, you've been praising the last couple weeks. The Dolphins. I mean. What do I got here? Their trick play that they ran with the kicker and the do- and the punter. Oh, my God. I tried to break that play down just to try and grasp and see it. They had the kicker blocking three guys, and then as soon as they snapped it, they had the lineman just seal off the other rush, the other blitzer there, two-on-one, right? You block one side and go, and then you got a kicker trying to block three guys. You automatically know that that defense is laughing at the possibility that they're going to block all of them. But a lane just opens up like the Red Sea and Moses walking through. And they just go, flip play, boom, touchdown. I loved it. I freaking loved it. To do that on the goal line, no one's seen it before. No idea how to defend it. 
And I don't know if we see another team do it. No, it won't work again. And what what was their plan if one of those three guys dropped back with the kicker? Like, that punter, <laughs> he's fucked. Dolphins like, are going to dolphin. <laughs> yeah, do they? <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you think they had a plan like, hey, if this doesn't work, like, just throw it. Just throw it into the back of the end zone so, like, they only get it on the one-yard line. They they got to be like, you can't take the sack because that means we they would get the ball in the five rather than the one. So they had to have, like, a game plan of, like, if this doesn't work, just make sure you throw it. Like No, I think it was, if there's nothing there, fall. No. I mean, you know the Dolphins' Super Bowl matchup against the Redskins. Messed up kick. Kicker tries to throw it, bobbles it up, butterfingers, gets intercepted, ran back for a pick six. Redskins win the Super Bowl. I think if you're a Dolphins fan, you're sitting there thinking, hey, do not throw that freaking ball if you are a punter or a kicker. If you are on special teams, do not throw it. Just drop. Because there's no other options. If that ain't there, you're screwed. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though, is because if they drop, then they get it on the five-yard line, right, rather than the one. So, you, like, even if you think, oh, they followed me, just throw it as far as you can into the back of the end zone and into the stands. So then it's an incomplete pass, and then they get it on the one-yard line. Because if you just fall, it's a sack, and you get it on the five. Now you don't have a team pinned deep. That's a good point. I don't know. I would have liked to heard that conversation. Well, it's just I would have liked to have he- yeah, heard that conversation. Yeah, I said that yeah, right. me too. Me too. Um, I mean, I think you broke down the game. Like, I just wanted to talk about the trick play. That's all I really <laughs> wanted to talk about. Um, Two uh, more things. Yeah, go ahead. Did, like, did everyone in this game except Zach Ertz have, like, sticky hands or something on their gloves or their hands? Devontae Parker coming with big catches. Nelson Aguilar, Mike Gusecki had a good game. Two big catches. One across the middle of the field. One in the end zone. And then Zach Ertz drops like a game-winning touchdown on the left side in the back of the end zone. You hate to see it from one of the league's best. And he comes out and says this is probably one of the worst games he's ever played in his entire career. So you feel bad in that sense. But everyone in this game was coming down with catches. It was impressive to watch going back. Yeah, agreed. Uh, All right. This team desperately needs more playmakers. It's crazy how much the Eagles need. Oh, offensively. Not not the not the Dolphins. We all know that they need everything. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just talking about the Eagles in general. Like, I, they're obviously good at running back. They're obviously set at quarterback. Offensive line. They've basically saw, resigned all of their starters at this point, so they're good there. Just they need wide receivers in a bad bad way. I mean, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is about the only future option there as Wentz is developing that relationship. But yeah. outside of that, I mean, it's a good thing this is a heavy receiving class because other, if they don't, I mean, damn, I don't know what they're going to do because they are not looking. And they're not even using Sanders. Like, I feel like Miles Sanders is being forgotten about in this offense where I feel like he would shine if they would figure out how to use him in the right way. If he would be the primarily lead back... I feel like you would see a difference within this team. And we might get to see it because the Eagles might win the NFC East because the Cowboys just keep not wanting to win it for whatever reason. Everyone wants to win that division. No one wants to win that division on the Cowboys except Jerry Jones. I think he's pretty much the only one that's like, can we win it, please? Like, fuck, can we win? Damn. Did you see the stat that the Redskins are officially eliminated from wild card contention? 
They cannot win a wild card spot, but they're not eliminated from playoff contention because they can still win their division. <laughs> how? How? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, it's so funny, dude. Like, only the NFC East could do that. Only the NFC East. I mean, really. And the freaking Redskins beat the Panthers this week, too. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Before we get to that, let's get to the Packers and Giants. Speaking of NFC East, actually, Aaron Rodgers had a pretty big game. Daniel Jones didn't look that bad, but he didn't look great. Um, I loved the snow aspect. Aaron Rodgers had some crazy outrageous throws again he just added added to the highlight reel some more four touchdowns um and then my question with the giants what's up with saquon barkley i know you don't have anyone on offense your receivers are pretty much toast evan ingram i believe didn't play i don't think he did because i have on my fantasy team and i really needed him didn't freaking play it's what's happened to me all year i'm not salty about it but where the hell is saquon barkley on this offense Dude, I don't think he's healthy. I think he he's still he. I know he came back and he looked like a freak after a week of that injury. I just don't. I don't think he's really back yet, and he's just fighting it through with his team. He's come out and said how disappointed he is with this season. I think you got to just give him. You got to give him this pass here. Um, also, they they have not had a full offensive wide receiver room like healthy at the same time. I mean now. Sh- uh, Shepard's back, but Tate's out, and just obviously, like you said, tight ends missing time. So, I mean, they haven't had a full team this year, and so that's rough. Um, but going back to Daniel Jones, I mean, he looked really bad this game. Like he didn't handle it. I I actually really respected what Aaron Rodgers did after after the game. Jumped in and said, "Hey, man, like learn from these type of games." And then he's like, but you got to also learn from your good games as well. So I thought that was awesome of Aaron Rodgers, um, really kind of helping out the young guy, trying to get him. So, you know, don't be down on yourself here. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from this and be a better quarterback moving forward because of it. So I thought that was awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> a little movement here on my end, <laughs> but absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to add to that game? Um. No, I think I think it's fine. Um, Alan Lazard is starting to really be that next option for the Green Bay Packers, which is cool. Hurts me so bad because he was the Jag signed him as an undrafted free agent last year and had him on the practice squad and just let him walk, and uh, that hurt. That was a, that was a tough one, uh, kid from Iowa State. But overall, man, it's still weird with this Green Bay team that. I mean, I guess they both had four receptions, but I was going to say, like, they're not using the running backs in the passing game like they did at the start of the year. And it's it's just strange to me because that's what they were doing so successfully. But maybe they're trying to go away from it for a little bit so that they can use it again later on in the year and come playoff time. I think that's exactly what it is. New head coach coming in, scheming the whole league. We're going to do something well. We're going to go away from it, let something else develop, and then we're going to go right back to it and hope to God it works. If it doesn't, welcome to the NFL, man. That shit doesn't work. Next game. Talk about the old uh, whack-a-mole a couple weeks ago. Here we go for repeat, but the guy that got whacked, the mole that was whacked, uh, sitting out. I think he's pretty much lost his job there in Pittsburgh. I don't know if he's welcome back next year because Mr. Doug Hodges comes in and wins the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. No, in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Okay, there we go. Make sure I'm right. 
Javaris Landry is doing better than OBJ. I wonder how OBJ feels about that. Kareem Hunt had somewhat of a good game. The Browns have a good one-two punch duo at the running back position if Kareem Hunt stays there for another year or two. Like I said, Duck Hodges comes out gets the win for the Steelers. I also question, has he won this job for the year? Or does he have a bad game and they go back to Mason Rudolph? Kind of where does that fall for the team? James Washington is having a big game, had a big game. He's had a big couple weeks. Of course he has. Speaking of fantasy, I just dropped him because I wasn't seeing any production. The moment I do it, dude decides to have a big couple weeks. Goes, you know what? I'm not on this guy's team. Watch what I can do. And there we go. Pittsburgh defense won this game for him. And in Mayfield, ending the game on an interception, uh, a shocker. <laughs> yeah. And those are literally my notes for this game. Everything I just said word for word is what I have written down on this piece of paper. Overall, Pittsburgh's D showed out. Baker Mayfield looked okay. The Browns showed some promise on their offense, but it all just kind of comes down to Pittsburgh's defense making more plays than the offense. Yeah, basically that's what it is. And uh, Mike Tomlin, I think, deserves some credit for Coach of the Year. Being 7-5 and five with everything that he's had to deal with injury-wise is pretty fucking impressive. I mean, third quarterback, starting running backs out, Number one wide receivers out. They have the wild card right yeah, now. They're, exactly. Yes, they do. And so that's why I'm saying I think he should get some consideration. Like, it'd be weird if he didn't. And also, I'm going to stick to, I mean, another, his. he doesn't get all the stats, but I'm going to stick with TJ Watt deserves some defensive player of the year talk. I, I know I talked I about like this it. a while ago, but I still think that he deserves some talk to it. Um, and... To answer your question, no, I think that the quarterback gets to stick around the rest of the year. I, I think there's no way he can go back to Mason Rudolph after that win. Yep. Duck Hodges, the old duck call guy. If you don't know much about him, he's won a duck calling competition multiple years in a row, I believe, through his teenage years. Pretty impressive. If you haven't heard hey. of duck calling at a professional level, check it out because it's a Dude, hard thing to do. Everybody watched Monday night or Sunday, Monday night football, Sunday night football, whatever, whenever they were playing. A couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, when when he was on, did ever everybody knows that story because ESPN blows that shit up and says the same thing like nineteen times. It's like when you're when fucking Mahomes is on. Did you know he used to play baseball? Yeah, everybody fucking knows because you've brought it up nineteen times in the second quarter. Thank you, <laughs> Booger McFarland. I appreciate the information. Yeah. Hey, plays over. Let me give you some analysis that's pretty fucking basic guy in the living room back in middle freaking buck tooth nowhere could say the same thing yeah. this guy blocks this guy and stand him free along the edge touchdown bucks no shit booger uh next game here we go redskins and panthers we brought it up a little bit ago curtis samuel and dj moore that is a pretty good one-two combo i like that a lot darius geist erupted for a big game his breakout performance, everyone's kind of forgotten about him since he's been injured the last couple of years, mainly most of the season. But he comes out, talk about an angry run. You're going to see that from Kyle Brandt on the Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, angry run. I think this clearly goes to Darius Guys. I mean, you talk about that stiff arm, lowering your shoulder, looks like he's going out of bounds. Apparently he goes out at the half-yard line. Just give him the fucking touchdown because he's going to get it anyways. Comes in the next play. Dives in, second touchdown of the game. Good for him. 
Brian Burns. The edge out of Florida State for the Panthers. Is that a Julius Peppers 2.0 type guy? I think you said that, like, after week one. I think you said that. Same exact thing. And I think you shitted on it, didn't you? Wow. Just uh, accusing me of disagreeing with you. Um, Ooh, shocker. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did shit on it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I said you got to freaking act offended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, said that I think they're just totally different players. And I think we're just saying Julius Peppers 2.0 just because he played for the Panthers. Like, that, that's the comparison, is they both played for the Panthers, and they both played defensive end. Um, he, he's had a fantastic year, though. It's one of those things that if this was any other year, he probably would be at least some sort of talk for defense player of the year. But with the way Josh Allen's playing and Nick Bosa are playing, like, he just doesn't really have an opportunity. Yep. He's gonna, he might be one of those guys because he's in that draft class that just quietly goes underneath the radar as, like, one of the greatest defensive players not greatest, but like has a good season almost every year, but no one really talks about him unless they start winning in Carolina. Ron Rivera, is that job there for him next year? You lose to the Redskins the way that you lost. It just, I don't know, it looked like the play calling was bad. The way that game ends, Kyle Allen, where the hell are you looking, man? Like the last two plays of the game, you had touchdowns. You had one to McCaffrey, and then you had one to Samuel. And you, you're not even looking there. Like, that's the clear read. Those plays are designed to hit someone in the flat to sneak into the end zone, whether there's contact there or not. And you don't even look. I don't know what happened. Panthers deserve to lose this game if that's how it's going to be at the end. Um, and pretty much all the way up until that point, the Panthers did not want to win. I really don't think they did because the Redskins ran all over them. That defense was beat up. It was tired. It was embarrassed, disgusted, and it just didn't look good all the way up until the end, and the way it ended was even uglier. It was like watching Jameis Winston. Ugly all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yep, basically. Uh, hey, that uh, Christian McCaffrey for MVP talk was just super fun while it lasted. Everybody, <laughs> the MVP goes to a quarterback for a reason. Um you guys couldn't see him, but Trees just gave us a big thumbs up right <laughs> in the middle of that. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna just—I'll just keep pounding the table. Can I see Will Greer yet? Can I see him play football yet? I know no. you don't like him. I get it. I get it. But your team sucks anyways. You guys are losing to the fucking Redskins, to the Washington Redskins. You guys are losing. So why does it matter? It doesn't. Oh, just let boy. just let me see my guy play. That's all I want to see. Please and thank you. And last thing, uh, Darius Geis, man. Dude, that stiff arm, like you already mentioned it, but just so dirty. It actually reminded me of Kareem Hunt a little bit. Like like that type of strength, like upper body. I like that there. comparison. Thank you. That's, That's it. Good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I just... I think I burped right out of the microphone there, but I like that. I like that comparison. There we go. He's, he's going to be a good one. I he mean, is. They just, they just need to figure out an offensive need... line. Is it fair to judge Dwayne Haskins right now this year? Like, is it fair to evaluate him? His mm. offensive line is trash. The defensive line, I mean, they had like over six sacks. Like, the yeah. Redskins defensive line showed out this game. 
So I guess I, mean, I just answered my question. It is fair to evaluate them. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, again, it, it's actually kind of weird how not on the same page him and McLaren are. Like, you thought, like, hey, if he was ever going to be on the same page with somebody, it's going to be his college teammate. But they just seem to, like, not be together. It's weird. Um, but obviously, I mean, the, the, that offense just needs some a few tweaks. I think play calling, an offensive lineman or two, and then you got to give him that real shot, give him that real opportunity. I wonder how different this how different this offense look if Jay Gruden is still there. Probably more. This exciting. looks like an offense he would be happy with. Totally. Powerful running back, a couple wide receivers, the quarterback you wanted, and all you need is an offensive line. Your defensive line looks great. You need some help in the secondary, and you need some more speed at linebacker. Yeah. It's it's actually weird that the defensive line played so well because Kerrigan missed his first game of his career. And so you would have thought that that might have hurt that that team. Yeah, I felt like they were just playing lights out, like just so much faster. Yeah. Either that or Kyle Allen's just I, – I guess he does hang on to the ball for a while. But it just – you sack six times against the Redskins. Not a good look. Um, other than that, anything you want to add to this game? No. Okay. 49ers and Ravens. This turned out to be quite a game. Goes all the way down to the end. The weather definitely played a role. The 49ers were very aggressive early. The fact that you're fourth and two and Garoppolo chucks the ball into double coverage against Marcus Peters and Debo Samuel comes down with it. I mean, you got some freaking gajones there, Garoppolo. It pays off for you. The, the 49ers stayed aggressive pretty much throughout the game. Their running game was very, very good at times. Like they have a good punch for the running game. And then really the only thing I want to add to this is fourth and one, end of the game. Why are you throwing that ball? You've run the ball so well all game. Fourth and one, game on the line. You decide to throw it. Ball gets batted up, doesn't get there. Just what the hell, why are you doing it? And then, like I said, last thing here. Lamar Jackson's fumble, the way that it just got stripped out of his hand there, probably the coolest fumble to have all year. Like, if you're going to have a fumble, I guess that's kind of the way to do it because you didn't really fumble it. You just got the ball stolen out of you. Instead of being tackled, it was like, whoop, I'll take that. Thank you so much. It was more of a, hey, Mom, look what I got because I don't think it was one of those I meant to grab the ball. It was just kind of there, and I ripped, and it came with me. I think it was one of the, more of those moments for the 49ers, but still pretty cool. It was it was cool. Uh, I'm actually excited to go back and watch this. I'm going to watch it after we're done recording, actually. It's one of the few games I haven't been able to watch a second time around. And uh, so excited there. But the guy that stuck came out, and I, I was like, oh, man, he's having a great game, is Humphrey. I thought Humphrey had a very, very good game for that defensive back field of the uh, Ravens. So really, really liked what I saw from him. And then, I mean, I thought it – I thought the defensive line for the Niners played well. I mean, obviously, I mean, the Ravens had a lot of rushing yards, but I mean, you got to expect that with that type of weather. I mean, Ingram only had, he had less than 60 yards. I mean, yeah. that's what you got. You had to have been happy with that. Obviously Lamar having over a hundred is rough, but I mean, the dude's a freak, man. Like at this point, like there's, there's no really stopping him. It's kind of like the, 
It's almost like the Christian McCaffrey thing. You know he's going to get his. You just try to limit it as much as possible. Um, I don't know if I said this our last episode or not, but I've been really thinking it. At some point, he's going to be stopped. Or he's going to receive a hit where he just gets smacked. And how did the refs call that? Do they call it as a running back type deal? Or do they call it as a quarterback getting hit too hard? No, they'll call it as a running back, just like how they did with Cam. Yeah. I mean, that that's what you risk, right? Like, that's what you get. Like, even when you're in the backfield and you're not actually running the ball, like, they're going to make you yeah, but you were trying to run it anyway, so we're going to treat you like a running back. So, yep. which I, I really do like. I appreciate that. Same here. Uh, our next game, the Rams versus the Cardinals. Uh, Trees, you go ahead and lead us into this one, and let's hear your thoughts on it. Hey, the Rams looked like they finally showed up. Look at Jared Goff looking like a real quarterback. So, good for him. Uh, For me, I was just shocked, man. I really thought the Cardinals off of a bye were going to come in and really play well. Uh, I kind of don't like what I saw from Kingsbury just coming off a bye. Like, that's his first bye, obviously, as an NFL head coach, and you were hoping to see a team that was more prepared, and they clearly weren't. Um, And... I mean, the Rams got everything going, still threw it 43 times, which is a crazy amount, but over 400 yards for Goff. Uh, Gurley almost had, I think, what was it? Oh, 19 carries. Like, that's a solid amount of carries for him, had 95 rushing yards. So, I mean, it was just a perfect offensive game plan for McVay. And, I mean, it, again, it's a little too late at this point, 7-5. and five. I don't think you're going to – I mean, I guess you can still make a run. I shouldn't say you're not going to. Still can make a run, but um, it's going to be tough for him for sure, but got to be a good confidence booster for him. Uh, Murray – just didn't look good off of the bye. Uh, Drake played all right. It's Drake's still going to be the guy. David Johnson is clearly just not in the plans anymore. Yeah, really the only notes that I had in this game was just that this was a good one for the Rams. Like, this was a good comeback game for them. They needed it more than anything. Their defense was rolling. They threw Kyler Murray everywhere around the field. Um, sorry for the, <laughs> the heavy breathing here. My laptop, I'm just going to wrap myself out. I'm up in my room recording and I left my laptop charger downstairs and my freaking laptop about died on me. Woo, buddy. Talk about out of shape. Here we go. <laughs> Trees, how'd you do there for your, by yourself for about 30 seconds? I was fine. Like, I mean, every once in a while, you need to go and do something. So, like, I'm like, that's normal. But then, like, you were just standing up. And I'm like, why the fuck are you standing? What are you doing? Uh, makes total sense now. Yep. Had to plug in the old laptop so we can keep rolling here since I'm the one recording it. Um, Really, this game. Rams defense needed it. They found success early. They threw Kyler Murray around like a rag doll. I'm pretty sure I just said that. This was kind of the game that the Rams needed to get back on track. They still have an opportunity to make the playoffs here. They're not out of the race. But the NFC is a tight one because all these teams that are in playoff contention are winning games. Like This isn't like the AFC where you have a 9-17 and 17 probably sneaking into the playoffs. Like If you're in the NFC and you're going to make the playoffs – you probably have over 10 wins, which is crazy to say, but a lot of these teams, it's going to be tough. So the Rams needed this game to kind of get everything rolling for themselves once more. And Trace, is there anything else you want to say to this one? Nope. Okay, sweet. Chargers and Broncos. This was a game 
where Drew Locke, a local kid here in Kansas City from Lee Summit, plays at Mizzou, plays all four years, goes to the Senior Bowl, gets drafted by the Denver Broncos, a team that he pretty much grew up hating. So if you live in Lee Summit, you're a Chiefs fan, of course. His parents are huge Chiefs fans. They're huge advocates here in the area. Um, so for him to go to Denver was kind of like the ah, like shit, of course, is where I end up going. But he had a good game. I was very impressed with it. I've been kind of a, I've kind of knocked on Drew Locke quite a bit on what he is and who he's become as a quarterback. But he looked good this game. Sat in the pocket, had his feet set on the deep throws, and when he needed to make plays, he did. That deep shot down the field to Sutton, he's got his feet set. He rocks back, comes all the way forward, leaves a hand hanging, drops the ball right in the cookie jar, gives Sutton an opportunity in double coverage, comes down with a touchdown. The Broncos' defense and that rock and Rivers' interceptions. We're used to it, right? Like that's why. Like this is what happened. Or this is what has happened for the Chargers this year. Is just turnovers have absolutely killed the season. Just when you think they have a big moment, boom, turn the ball over, and that's just about how the game goes. Lock and Sutton, Drew Lock, and Cortland Sutton. If they keep this up, this is going to be a scary one-two punch dynamic because they look like they're on page. After the game, Drew Locke has his first interview. Sutton comes up, starts yelling at him. He's like, this is the guy. This is the guy. Hits him pretty hard on the chest. Like, you see Drew Locke react like, damn, bro. Like, thanks, but don't hurt me here. Pretty cool to see that for him. The late interception by Locke, though, at the end of the game, nearly lost him it. And if that's what would have happened, if you're a Mizzou fan and you've watched Drew Locke the last four years, I know I just sat here and praised him the last about minute and a half. That's kind of what you saw at Mizzou. A lot of highlight plays, a deep throw down the field, and then it comes to the end, and you're like, son of a bitch, interception. Defense can't make up for it, and you lose. Well, when you're playing Phillip Rivers, you find a way to do that because he just loves to throw the ball out. Um, that late pass interference call, I felt like that was kind of a bullshit call, honestly. Oh, yeah. It definitely was. And then my last question here, why was there no Noah fan? Like, I feel like I hardly saw him at all which doesn't make any sense with him being the star tight end that he's supposed to be. Sorry for talking so long, Trees. <laughs> you're, you're good. Uh, Noah Fant, so that was going to be my point. Noah Fant's kind of been hit or miss this season. Like, And, I mean, to be expected from a rookie tight end. Like, rookie tight ends just do not have successful numbers in their rookie year. Um, so I could see that, but... Going back to your, hey, this offense could be exciting with Sutton and Locke. Like, I mean, add Fant in there and add the two running backs who are also in there owning their second year. I mean, you have a whole bunch of rook. Like, next year, it's going to be third year and second year players. It's going to be awesome. They just yeah. need to get things rolling there um, and build up a defense again. I mean, you have a defensive-minded head coach. Another year of him building his scheme and building it, that getting the players that he needs, the offense is going to have some weapons. So actually, I think the Broncos are going to be very fun to watch. I, I agree with you. And I was thinking the same thing watching it. Like if they figure out the play calling and they get the running game going and they keep their defense young and fast, the AFC West is going to be fun because the Raiders are building a good foundation, a good young foundation. The Chiefs have clearly done that. They just need to keep adding weapons and keep building on that defense and keep that offensive line healthy for Patrick Mahomes. But other than that, like the AFC West is going to be fun to watch for the next couple of years. Realistically, 
Um, and the only the last one of the last games here that we have to cover is the Chiefs and the Raiders. I won't speak too long on it because I'm going to do a huge breakdown tomorrow on Twitter, and then I'll kind of have everything out on a report mainly for it. Josh Jacobs had a lot of success running the ball early. Derek Carr pretty much just gave this game away. The running backs for the Chiefs, Daryl Williams, number 31, and Darwin Thompson, number 34, the rookie at a Utah State that was drafted late by the Chiefs. They had themselves a good game. It was nice to see Darwin Thompson come in at the end of the game and really kind of show what he can do for this team. And when he scored, the team rallied around him. That last drive by the Chiefs in the fourth quarter, every fan sitting there is like, hey, the weather sucks. It's cold. It's windy. We're playing the Raiders. We've already blown them out. Our defenses looked good. The offenses looked okay. But let's see this last drive. Let's see what they can do. Let's see if they can go down and score and just rip all hope out of the Raiders for the rest of the season. And I remember looking at my girlfriend, Lauren, and go, I hope the Chiefs score on this drive. And she's like, why? You're winning like 31-0. to zero. And I was like, because I don't want the Raiders to have any hope. Like, I want them to end their season right now. And she kind of looked at me like I was some psychopath. But it was just the enjoyment that I had watching him march all the way down the field with Darren Thompson and succeed that way. One Thornhill had himself a great game. We saw the pick six. He undercuts the route. Ball ends right in his lap. Boom, he's gone. The stadium erupted with that pick six because we've heard about him all from B.J. Kissel, all preseason, all offseason training camp was, hey, Juan Thornhill's just having interceptions like crazy in camp. Now we see it transition into the game. Happens here in December. Let's go. I hope he makes it to the Pro Bowl. And then there was a fourth down play where the Raiders ran a sweep to the right side for them. Guess who comes up with the tackle? Juan Thornhill. It was great to see that. I'm happy for him to continue to develop. And if he continues to do this, the Chiefs are going to have a great back into their secondary with Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill. And if that's the case, it's going to be pretty scary for them moving forward for other teams playing them. The team that against the Chiefs, you think, hey, their secondary is weak. In all reality, it's becoming one of the strongest parts of their team right now. And then, like I already mentioned, the running game late. But notes for the Raiders. Darren Waller should be your main target through and through this game. We are not seeing him targeted enough. When they went his way, he had a big catch. He had a couple big plays. I don't know why the Raiders go away from that, but they did. And then Josh Jacobs, when he wanted to run the ball and they decided to run the ball, he had massive gains and big success. It's just Derek Carr threw away the game. They weren't able to capitalize off of it. So the Chiefs come out with the W. Not the best performance from Patrick Mahomes the last couple of weeks. We've not really seen much from him. I think it's more of him just kind of getting developed, ready into everything again. He does look like he's reading the field quicker, which is great, into his processing and his developmental heading into a second year as a full starter for the Chiefs and coming off injury. Next week they play New England. It's going to be a huge test. He said it after the game. I have yet to beat the Patriots. I've gotten close, but just haven't been able to make it happen. Hopefully I can do it next week in Foxborough. The rest of the Kansas City Chiefs look pumped for it. They're already talking about it on social media. They have this game circled on their calendar. They know how much it means to them and how much it means for the seeding resting into the playoffs at this point in the year. Trace, anything you want to add on to this game? Uh, I mean, you kind of own that, but I'm so excited for next week's game. Uh, Mahomes needs a huge game. I think that it needs to be Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and I think that those three just need to lead that team to beating that defense. So here's my thing. I think it's going to be a Sammy Watkins game. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen Mahomes keep it like short and steady, like almost Alex Smith-like. 
a lot of dinks and dunks. Just get the ball out. Let's go. Let's go. And I have a feeling it's to set up the Patriots. To get the Patriots to stay close, take everything out underneath, because they haven't really hit. They haven't hit uh, Tyreek Hill deep. They haven't hit Demarcus Robinson deep. They haven't hit Hardman deep. Hardman hardly played this last game. They haven't hit Sammy Watkins deep. This is the game where they're going to take out Tyreek Hill. They're going to find a way to take out Travis Kelsey. We saw Jones. I mean, I'll just roll right into the Texans game with this. Jones, the corner for the Patriots, because this is our last game we're going to go over, got destroyed by the Houston Texans. And so if the third option is for the Chiefs is Sammy Watkins on him or McCole Hardman with Jones against Jones or on the linebacker, the Patriots are going to have a hard time covering it. Because if you can't cover the speed of the Ravens and you can't cover the speed of the Texans, how are you going to cover the speed of the Kansas City Chiefs? Because even if you can't, if you cover the receivers, you still got the running backs. You still got both Williams. You got Darwin Thompson now, and you got Shady McCoy. If anyone's going to beat them, it is going to be the Patriots, and I hate to see it. But the way the offensive line for the Patriots has played, the Texans got pressure. We saw a safety blitz. Guess who can do that for the Chiefs? Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, Daniel Sorensen. We're just going to see so much speed on both sides of the ball that the Patriots have struggled with. And then for the Texans this last game, damn, dude. Deshaun Watson kind of almost put himself back in MVP talks, did he not? I want to hear your voice again here. I'm tired of hearing myself talk. <laughs> You're good. Uh, no, he absolutely did uh, get it back into the discussion. I mean, it's a three-man race at this point with Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and Watson. But Watson, I think, is clearly that third option right now. But, um, I mean, the Texans are just playing phenomenal football right now. That, that game plan was great. You could tell they really studied what the Ravens did and kind of used that. The, the way that, that they were getting – you know, out into the open and onto the edge, just been like, hey, this is what Lamar Jackson was doing. Let's try to do the same thing. So I thought it was a great game plan there. It definitely was. And the thing I had with the Patriots is that their running game is still so freaking good. When they wanted to run the ball, they did it with success. Sonny Michelle looked unstoppable at points in the game. And then Tom Brady is not looking like the Tom Brady we're used to. He has a couple big plays within the pocket. He moves around in the pocket well. But throwing interceptions... The amount of times that he's getting sacked or hit or there's just pressure. They don't have any weapons at receiver. This game was not as close as what the score showed majority of the game. And then that last drive, the Texans' defense, just it literally looked like they were just coasting down a mountain. They let the Patriots march all the way down. They scored 50 seconds left on the clock. And then they almost get that onside kick. And if they get that onside kick with 50 seconds, no timeouts, I think the Patriots are coming away with the W here, and we're talking about the Texans giving this game away late, thinking they have it in the bag. Because that's how close it was at the end. The rest of the game was not that close. That last two minutes, oh my God. Yeah, for sure. It's funny because I think it was last week that we talked about James White hasn't been involved involved in the offense very much. Of course, <laughs> yeah. of course he goes off for two touchdowns, like literally like five days after we talk about it. And not saying we called it. We were just like, hey, this is surprising that this isn't happening. So not trying to say we called that at all because we did not. But um, yeah, for sure. Interesting. But um, yeah. OK. And then uh, just for Monday night. um Eagles just, or sorry, Seahawks just kicked a field goal to go up by seven, and there's 21 seconds left. So they basically got this thing wrapped up, unless there's some sort of uh, miracle for the Vikings again. But hey, there you go. 
Love to see it. And that means I get another game here this week. Thank God. Two W's here. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll give I'll you another point. Now you're, now you're only down by 12 on me. Hey, here we go. A couple big weeks. That's all I need, baby. Roll the dice. Blow on it for me. Give me some luck. All right, let's roll it. See what we got. Um, Other than that, Treese, I think that's it, dude. So send us out. All right. Well, everybody, we appreciate the time. And tonight we've been talking football. Thank you.